Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Ladies and gentlemen, it is over. The Detroit <laughs> yeah. Lions have won a playoff game first time in 31 years. You sweat through a thick t-shirt and a thick hoodie. I don't That's always do that sweat. anymore. I don't, but I did tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He doesn't do it all the time, but when the Lions are playing and they're sweating it out, he will pit through his shirt and his sweat and his sweatshirt. Oh my God. What's up, everybody? It is Wednesday. It is divisional playoff Wednesday. The greatest weekend of the year is coming, which is it really is my favorite. Saturday, Sunday, doubleheader, the eight best teams in football, the best quality football, right? Uh, I can't wait for that. And, of course, we're here to tell you what the fuck happened last weekend and a little bit about what the fuck will happen this weekend. Yeah. So we'll see where it goes. But, yes, I am sitting here next to football reigning champion fan of the world from Detroit, Michigan. I'm yes. free. So many people are coming up to me and going, congratulations, congratulations. congratulations. Right. And then Someone says, like, you know, he didn't play, but, like, come on, though. I mean, he's from Michigan. It's just, right. like, everyone that's been a fan for 30 years, it feels like we've played for three decades. And and finally, we have it's a playoff victory. There. Playoff it, victory, national championships. I mean, you guys, now, now, now you're spoiled. All right? Now you're getting spoiled. I know it was 30 years, but yeah. two things in a week We're not here, there yet. We're know, not there yet. I'm joking. It's like the Red Wings were good, and then they've been terrible for a long time. The Pistons are historically oh bad. Gosh. The Tigers are historically bad. It is, cra- it is crazy. Lions are saving us. Because I grew crazy. up in an era where... Like, the Tigers and the Pistons were yeah. always good, yeah, right? And always competitive. And the Red Wings were in the Stanley Cup final every other constant, yeah. constant right? Know. And now it's, you know, we're, we're going opposites now here. Now it's the Lions carrying the, the Lions torch for turn. Detroit sports. Uh, I, yeah, like I am pumped. I have been uh, basking in the glow. I did want to get, like, more excited in the pod. That was the whole idea is, like, every touchdown I'd be cheering. But I thought back on I was like, they didn't score once yeah. we started the pot. Right. They had 24. They kicked the field goal just before we started. They were hanging on. They so were hanging on That's the why game. you were sweating through your sweatshirt. You were like, this is not fun. I'm, I'm biting my nails and sweating uh, profusely. Profu- 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 yeah. Profusely. Yeah, I think profusely. that's right. That's yeah, it's close enough. Close. That's very close. Very close. Um, <laughs> so, so we'll talk about the Lions. But first, let's talk about the team that they will play. But let's first talk about the team that the team that they will play beat. Yeah. If that makes any sense, it makes some sense. Right? Uh, Eagles go down to the, the <laughs> Buccaneers. Funny. Of course, we're going to talk about kind of the games we didn't talk about uh, yeah, on Sunday, on and both. then a quick preview of all the all the divisional games. We got the big butt. We got the Requiems. We're going to bury some teams too. Yeah. But we buried the Eagles, and may, they buried themselves yeah, many weeks ago. I don't think ago. so. You're right. I think they dug their own hole, and they were like, "Let's slit our own throat. We don't need Amon to do <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah. And we'll just fall in there, and somebody will, will fill the hole in for we'll us. We'll take care of it for you. Uh, so, I mean, this is still amazing. We showed this, I think, uh, a couple times. Maybe even we showed it on Sunday. Yep. They were 10 and 1. We all know that, right? Yeah. Since that point, they were not only just bad, 
They were arguably the worst team yes. in the NFL. Right. Like, it blows my mind right. how this happened. Right. I, it, listen, it blows my mind, too. Uh, I said yesterday with Florio, this is the most monumental collapse of a good football team. Not a team that we were like, wow, they're 10-1 and one, and this is unbelievable. This is a football team still 10-1 and one at the end of the regular season. If you go around the league of the NFL and go, hey, would you rather have your own offensive line or would you have the Eagles offensive line? They'd go, Eagles. Would you rather have your own dual receivers or the Eagles dual receivers? The Eagles. Would you rather have your own D-line or the Eagles D-line? The Eagles. I mean, it's still top-notch talent. So that is where I've never seen a, qu- a team of this quality fall apart like that. And we were saying it towards the end. I mean, you know, even when we do- broke down this game last week a little bit, we were going like, yeah, the Bucks weren't playing good at the end of the year, but the Eagles were playing like one of the five or six worst teams in football. The statistics backed that up, and that continued on Monday night. And not only – I don't think it's like – to me, it's not only the losses, how they lost them, right? And they progressively got worse. That, 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 that is, I think, what bothers me. It went from like, okay, we lost to the 49ers, they're really good. And we lost to the Cowboys, they're really good. But they didn't really answer the bell that night against the Cowboys and kind of got blown out in that one, yeah. right? Then they gave the last-ditch effort against the, the Seahawks. And then I know they beat the Giants on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve, whatever day that was, but yeah. it wasn't all that impressive. And then dominated by the Cardinals and kind of dominated by the Giants. And I think that's what bothers me, too. For a team that talented, listen, I know teams fall apart or go through lulls or whatever else, but there was never a resurgence, a, a revitalization, another like, hey, we got one more fight in us, right? Or just pure talent winning out. Exactly. Right? It's like, like they like kind of just mentally, just, physically, yeah. all of it kind of just collapsed on them. And I think that's what was concerning the other night is you saw one team in the Bucks that was playing playoff football, and it was the Eagles and a team that – it looked like from early on that what didn't really believe in itself, didn't really have the same intensity that I feel like the Eagles have had through the last year and a half. They're just You watch a game and go, man, they're big and they're physical and they let you know about it. And you watch a game the other night and you just go, who is this docile wild card team that we're watching here? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where it's crazy, let alone, like you said, the X's and O's, the coaching, all of it. But the no response to the losing streak, certainly that's what Nick Sirianni is going to have to deal with when he talks to Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman is the fact that you, know, you couldn't dig the team out of the hole X's and O's wise, mentality wise, and we didn't really show any fight down the stretch and that's kind of the I think going to be the biggest thing he's gonna have to explain to them agreed because I think a lot of people are framing it as uh, he was just in the Super Bowl last year right but sometimes it ends so poorly yeah you're just like what happened right right there right and the fact that that actually just could happen yeah is enough of an an indictment to make a change or to look elsewhere yeah I I, I do do, think it is when you're that especially when you're that talented Right. Yeah. I think that's that's the 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 big thing too. The expectations were at a level that was like Super Bowl or we lose the Super Bowl. Yeah. That's like all we are. That's what we are. We're the Eagles. Like what first round exit to the Buccaneers dominated? Like I don't care who you are. You're going to get reevaluated right there unless you've won two or three Super Bowls already. I don't care what head coach you are. They're going to question you going into the future there and why you couldn't maximize the potential on this team to a little greater ability than what you actually did. So per next-gen stats, Jalen Hurts was under pressure in under two and a half seconds 13 times against the Buccaneers defense, yeah. tying a career high. Right. The Buccaneers generated 10 unblocked pressures, yeah. tied for the most in a game by any defense this season. So 
unblocked pressures. I mean, it makes sense. But you that saw just means it? that just means he's there's someone's blitzing or rushing and no they one sent attempts. one more than they can handle yep. the whole game, right? This has been the issue with Jalen Hurts to his whole career in Philadelphia. This this has been and, and here's where I'll say it too. Like we gotta connect dots a little bit. You know, there was a blitz plan with Shane Steichen everywhere he's been. There's been a blitz plan with Nick Sirianni everywhere he's been. So it's fair to assess and go, wait. What's the common thing here? Oh, Jalen Hurts, right? And then that's so it's fair to assess there's something there with him as well. What is the quarterback's now, role in that? The quarterback's role is to change protections, change routes, or there's plays that have built-in beaters against those looks, anyways. Where they go, hey, they might bring all out, but we have these two guys and this guy here where we like this route versus all out. So just kind of hang in there and hang on your back foot. You might take a little shot, but we got a spot here to throw it. And if it's a quick throw, it might already be built in already, right? Where it's just like, okay, hey, it's a quick throw. It's a boom, boom, get it out, bam. But there's none of those answers, right? And you guys watch, you watch the game, right? You saw me texting a little bit. I think I text our group. I know I text PFT group. Like, is there ever a walk up to the line of scrimmage and like, hey, 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 change the protection. Hey, Mike, this guy. Hey, receivers, blah, blah, blah. I mean, again, that, that's crazy to me, right? So there is an issue there. And see where it doesn't always get exposed, okay? And it got exposed, uh, first off, it's a playoff game, a national TV game. Mm. But it hasn't been as exposed as much. It got exposed last year in the Super Bowl. This is what I told you. Jalen Hurts should have thrown for 650 yards against the Chiefs. They kind of did the same thing. Like, we don't think you know where to go with the ball with the blitz. And you don't really do things at the line of scrimmage. So we're going to screw you at the line of scrimmage and mess up your whole day that way. Right? And I think that's where the issue falls. But the reason they get away with it most of the year, because most of the year they're in third and three, third and two, third and four. And teams go, we can't all all out blitz here. You know, they could throw a screen and get four yards and they get the first time. They could run the ball and get some quarterback design run and we all out blitz and we get stuck in there and now he quarterback run and he's around the edge and we have nobody there, right? right? So that afforded them the luxury to not have to be in these situations. But but because their offense is so stinky right now and they can't do anything, they were in third or five plus for the majority of the night. And that's why with that team, the best protection offensive line in football the whole year, not even close, right? That was a monumental X's and O's failure. And to go 0 for 9 on third downs with that team, that quarterback, the line. I know A.J. Brown's out there, but it's still pretty good talent. I mean, that's, that's embarrassing. That's embarrassing to the head coach and the quarterback to be exposed by one defense the whole night and go, you guys don't have an answer for it. Mm. And that's troubling to me, certainly. And what I don't understand this, to this, like – Jalen Hurts has done great things. I get that. Jalen Hurts gets a free pass that I don't understand. If Mahomes, Allen, Lamar Jackson, I mean, Lamar Jackson, if he went lost six out of seven down the stretch and couldn't pick up a blitz, everybody would be like, oh, my gosh, he's a fucking running back that's playing quarterback. Get him out of quarterback. But for Jalen Hurts, it's everybody else is blamed. Everybody. Nobody. No. I watched ESPN after the game. Nobody even brings up, hey, the quarterback, the leader, he doesn't lead the team. He doesn't make a big play in this, any situation. He never yells at anybody. He just sits on the bench and sits there by himself. I just feel like if it was anybody else, they would be eviscerated. Yeah. And I don't love that. And I don't mean to attack Jalen Hurts. I'm attacking the rest of the media going, why does he get a free pass? And then other guys 
like get eviscerated when they do the same thing. I don't understand that. And yeah. it, to me, it's an anomaly in my brain. And it actually frustrates me, as you could tell. Well, it's like next year is going to be super interesting Huge for year. him, right? right? It's like who knows going to be coaching right. him right. offensively. I mean, I, you'd almost have to bank on the fact there's going to be a new offensive coordinator. There could Has be a whole be. new head court. There could be a well. whole new everything, right? With Mike Vrabel and Bill Belichick hanging out there right now, I don't put anything past anything right now. Yeah. You know, even if you liked your coach with two coaches of that type of quality that are out there, they're going to go, "Wait, I, I like our coach, but that guy's better." And I know what I've seen what he can do with a lot less talent on the football team. Let alone, whoa, if he takes over our team. I mean, Mike Vrabel went, you know, first seed in the playoffs with 90-something injuries a few years ago yeah. and, like, a patchwork team and still got them to be the number one seed. I know they got upset by the Bengals in the first round and Tannehill threw the three interceptions. But you talk about maximizing football teams. That's where Belichick and Vrabel thrive in that, and that's what makes it even more dicey than normal because, like you said, it seems crazy. Three playoff appearances in a row, went to the Super Bowl, yeah. right? And we're talking about firing people. But again, I think it's the expectations and the what you get out of the potential of the team is the really the biggest thing these owners are looking at. And that's where Sirianni and Mike McCarthy, of course, are going to be evaluated. I mean, this is the risk of having a good team and a talented it team. Is. And people it, have it, it complimented, can you the coach. complimented draft after draft exactly. after draft. People right. saying the Eagles had the best draft of anyone this year, and they right. were already the most talented team. Right. Well, it's like, well, then if you don't win, then you're, you're really in trouble. And it would be one thing if it was just the offense that was struggling and couldn't it's pick up everything. Places. So the defense was arguably even worse. Um, most of the year, especially down the stretch. We got a couple of dots on some plays, and maybe this illustrates some of the problems they had. Some of it seemed like effort and it's, a, it's, a, a lot of, of it's effort. To exactly right. Um, but we have uh, Baker Mayfield to David Moore, the 44-yard touchdown. I don't know if e- either of these plays illustrate anything to you or a, or a trend or a, a theme of the, the Eagles' defense. Well, the, the Eagles, you know, they, they were searching for, like, can we find anything that works here? But this is man-to-man coverage, right? And you'll see it again as we go through here. But this it's just a microcosm of almost everything you're talking about, Ahmed. It's like not knowing who I'm supposed to cover or are we supposed to switch this off, right? 39 is is covering David Moore right here, right? And I don't know if he's expecting Bradbury to come off of 88, uh, K. Dotton on the other side to where when it's a cross like this, do they switch them? Do they pass them off? Or are they locking it and staying on there? Mm-hmm. Either way, there's a mistake. So go ahead, let it roll, Pete. And you'll see 19 come across. 39 looks like he's got a man-to-man. He kind of stops in the middle of the field. He has to get, you know, run through some trash there. But, I, you know, watching on film, he looks at 24 like he thought, you wait, I was supposed to take your guy, you were supposed to take my guy, and it doesn't happen. But this is what we've been seeing from the Eagles as of late, let alone they do this and then three guys get down here and just stare at David Moore and let him run by him. They're like, hey, you want to just run into us and then we'll tackle you. Like, are you expecting me to come tackle you? I mean, that's literally. So that's it was a very weird end of the season, and that right there is not Eagles football from what we've seen for the first 11 weeks of the year and into last year. They were never like that, and it's just, it's again, a crazy the, the fall and how fast it all happened. So you're, you're pretty well connected. You kind of know things. You have a good sense of things. I mean, like, do you th- like when will we know? What, like, what are they going to do? I, like, do you think the Eagles make a change? I, well, um, gut? Changes are coming regardless. My gut, it, it, it really is a tough one. You, I mean, we like Nick Sirianni. I do. There's a lot of things I've liked about what he did. I guess in my gut, I feel like they're going to stay. In my gut, I feel like they're going to stay, and he's going to make drastic changes. He'll go in there and go, I, I, 
sure, offense certainly a lot my fault. He's an offensive coach, and you know me. I hate when the offensive coach who becomes the head coach goes, the reason I'm here, but I'm not going to do it anymore. So he's definitely going to go have to, oh, hey, we got a new O coordinator in here. I have to get my hands dirtier in the playbook on the offensive side of the ball. And then the defense, he's going to be able to at least stick up for himself and go, hey, listen, we got screwed over. Like, you guys know that. Gannon said he was not going to go anywhere. Fangio left. And then Gannon left after giving us his word that he was going to stay. Yeah. So I do think that buys him a little wiggle room. Yeah, I guess in my heart of hearts, I feel like they're going to stay the course. But I, don't, I wouldn't bet money on that. Yeah. I, like, I, I don't feel totally confident. I'm like, it's like a 70-30 thing to me or maybe 65-35. Yeah. It's somewhere in that range. And it's not only just the coaches, too. It seems like something needs to change within that locker room. The message of the players. Were... That's, to me, the other disappointing thing. Again, there, I saw no leadership on the field. Right. And I, don't, and, and I know I just got on Jalen Hurts, too. Yeah, you're the quarterback, right? And it, it, it's funny how people's perceptions change. I, that's what I've gotten a kick out of. I think I said this on the pod. I know I've said it to you. In the first 10 weeks, everybody was, man, isn't Jalen Hurts so calm and cool? And now they lose. He's doing the exact same stuff. He's not changed at all. And people go, doesn't he just seem aloof and kind of dumpy and not like into the game? And I'm yeah. going to go, no, this is what he was. Same guy. You're just letting the perception of the team now go into him. It's the same guy. It's what he does, right? But, yeah, when you start to lose and do that, like, okay, somebody's got to start speaking up. Somebody's got to start, like, yelling at the back. Did you see anybody get mad on the Eagles in the game the other day? It's like they were kind of like, ah, we're getting our ass whooped. Keep it on. Yeah. Keep it going, Bucks. Keep moving our ass. It's like there was no fight. There was nobody that got mad on the sideline. Mm-hmm. I never saw anybody mad on the football field, and that bothered me as well because you know me. It's an intense sport, and you need all of it to, to be a good football team. So there are going to be changes inside the locker room, perhaps none bigger than Jason Kelsey, who has not uh, officially said yeah. that he is retiring yet. Adam right. Schefter's reported that he did tell some people in the, the locker room, so who knows what's happening there. But Jason Kelsey did talk on his podcast, which is almost as popular as our podcast, uh, about where he is uh, currently right now. When it's time to officially announce, you know, what's happening in the future, it'll be done in a, in, in a way that's, you know, definitive and pays respect to a lot of people and uh, individuals that have meant a lot to me and has led to the career I've had. You know, I don't think that it would be uh, respectful or even accurate uh, to be able to do that right after a game like that. Yeah. But I did address the team and pretty much said the same thing that I just said to you, which is, you know, I got belief in every single one of you guys, you know, cherish the moment you have in this league. A lot of guys like, you know, if that is your last game, I feel sorry for you. I'm like, yo, don't feel sorry for me, motherfucker. <laughs> I had a <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. Yeah, so clearly uh, clearly emotional. Clearly seems like his body and brain are going towards retirement. Yeah. I mean, that's why he would be emotional. He's not emotional if he's coming back, okay? Right. I mean, right. you know, I've been around these situations before. Uh, I think he's trying not to make a rash decision and kind of just letting a little time go just to make sure – yeah, the emotions from the season, whatever else. Because, hey, he could be just, like, physically exhausted and everything that way to where guys are like, you know, sometimes they've, you know, 
pulled the trigger on retiring a little too quick, and they just realized, wait, I was just physically beat up and tired from the season, like ready to just call it quits for the time being. And then a yeah. month goes by, and they're kind of like, oh, I got it again, right? So that's why players kind of like, hey, let me just take a minute here. You're around your let own make young sure. kids, and you're like, wait, this is exhausting. This right? is exhausting. Are you sure? I, I, I think I can play another season. <laughs> the tush push, the tush push, fuck my life thing yeah. is not that bad all of a sudden. Yeah, did you yeah. see that yesterday? I did see that. that he yells at every time he, he does, does it. Fuck yeah. my life. Yeah. Uh, well, so we'll see. We'll see on, on Jason That's Kelsey. how you knew it was all coming to an end. Yeah. When they lost the tush push play the other oh my night, God, you're right. You were like, that's the Eagles are done. They're that's done. It's over. If they can't tush push, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what else to think. They're definitely done. Yeah. That was the final nail in the coffin. Yeah. Ooh, I should put that in my poem at the end here when we, when we bury them. <laughs> Number 96 got lower than so, Jason Kelsey. First guy all year I saw it get lower. So here we go. So yeah. we should. And, and Buccaneer fans are like, okay, I, we get it. The Eagles. That was entertaining, right? Well, but we had to do We that. won the game. Yes. So uh, we will preview Buccaneers now and Lions. That's 3 o'clock. We'll get it on NBC. You can also stream that on Peacock, and a lot of people, I guess, signed up for it. So yeah. you might as well just use yeah, it. You might as well. You yep. got it. Might as well Smoke use them it. If you got them. Uh, so our coverage will begin at 2 Eastern. We'll be there in Detroit. It's going to be loud. We'll have the double IFBs in. Um, before we get to my Lions here, and everyone's like, oh, well, Bucks fans, like, great. I know I was just going to talk about the Lions. <laughs> well, I'm a Bucks. I'm an ex Bucks player. You're right. I'm so here, there we go. Bucks. Don't Carry worry. The it's, torch. it's me and the Bucks. Carry the torch. and the Lions. Carry we're the gonna torch. Go, we're going to go at it. In fact, uh, we were thinking in the pregame. Show just have a wrestling match, match oh. to the death. You Lions fan, Bucks fan. <laughs> yeah. We figured it'd get good views. Yeah, we'll go to someone dies or three o'clock, whichever comes. <laughs> Whatever first. happens first. Um, yeah, or sweats through their shirt. Yeah, uh, we're, we're both in that, trouble. We're done. Yeah, we're done immediately here. All right, so let's give some love yeah. to the Buccaneers here right. because I think they probably have not gotten that love because it's all been about the Eagles losing, collapse. But Bucks went out there and they look like a team that. Was like we we know this is the playoffs and we're gonna we're gonna play like it. Definitely, you know it's. Uh, b- I mean, big time. I mean, of course, the thing I like about the Bucks, they're big up front on the defensive line. They got some guys in the back end who are play- players, right? You know, the secondary when you get Antoine Winfield. Uh, you know, 35, I, I don't know why 35, I always want to call him Demps, and I blame, Jamal Dean, freaking, mm-hmm. I don't know what his, his name, Jamal Dean, yep, Jamal Dean, whatever. Yeah. Uh, him, Carlton Davis, right? Yeah. They're pretty good in the back end there. So that, that always gives them a fighting chance. Front seven's pretty stout. Offensively, you know, they're, in a lot of ways, a lot like the Lions on both sides of the ball, mm. you know, Probably a little too over-aggressive stopping the run, but they're going to stop something. Let too many plays in the pass game because they're a little too aggressive stopping the run. You heard me make fun of Todd Bowles a few times during the year, right? Yeah. When I was like, when they were playing C.J. Stroud, I was like, okay, it's he's thrown for 400 yards now. We, let's stop worrying about the run. Yeah. Let's, let's take that fifth guy off the line of scrimmage. But, um, yes, it's, it's I think their, their ability to control the line of scrimmage and then an aggressive offensive attack off of that is what makes them dangerous. And they try to stay patient with the run. You know, they're not as good as you guys on the offense offensive side of the ball you know I think they kind of really just found their way like early December late November really right but I think they're kind of trying to emulate your formula to a degree on that side of the ball we'll run we'll run when we throw we're not looking for five yard completions we're looking for 25 yard completions and they have the talent at receiver to do that as you saw the other night and yeah. a guy with the and Baker Mayfield who's got a big right arm definitely so that's where I find it encouraging and like we know the lion the lions are better 
But as we always talk about, like you heard me say last week with the Packers and the Cowboys, the Packers match up really well with the Cowboys. The Buccaneers match up with the Lions. You know, they have aspects of their great run defense. They're not going to have to overplay the run, right? They're going to go, wait, we're big enough here. Like, we know you guys like play action pass a lot. We're not always going to be so aggressive and loading the box and doing that. You know, I think they have a good way of, too, when teams play action, five-man fronts, and they understand a lot of what teams do off of play action and know, even though there's holes in the zone, of kind of how to play areas and go like, hey, usually in play action in this set, one guy goes this way, one guy is that way. So you kind of just hang in there and wait for the guy to come to you, and we'll have some people up at the line of scrimmage to stop the run and maybe even pressure the quarterback. Yeah. Those are the things I like about the Buccaneers. This is going to be a physical matchup at the line of scrimmage yeah. with some high-flying big plays down the field is what I expect to see. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait but marines will always be there they are the constant in the chaos no matter the battlefield marines adapt to win defeating every shifting threat protecting our nation's future the few the proud the marines the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. What can we learn, if anything, yeah. from the Week Six game? Right, that the Lions were in Tampa. Yeah, they beat them twenty to six. Yeah, uh, there were some Lions that were out in that game. Jameer Gibbs was out. Brian Branch was out. Jonah Jackson was out. David Montgomery got hurt in the game. Yep, um, it was it was twenty to six, but it probably was a little closer than the the score indicated yeah. there. And there was one play, the interception that really turned the tide early. It Remember was that a key early play? I think we have the. Uh, the all 22 of that. This was a Baker Mayfield interception, um, tipped pass. It's like touchdown. Could have been a huge play. I mean, it's going to be a 94-yard touchdown. You could see they blew the coverage, the, the Detroit Lions. They came up too aggressive, as we talked about, right? The Lions are aggressive on defense. They overplay the situation. So in a backed-up situation like this, they go, well, we think you're going to run the ball to give yourself a little room. So yeah. they overplay it. And that's at times what can get them in trouble, right? We, this is what we talked about in this game, remember? We yep. said if it's third and five, they play defense to stop the six-yard pass. If you throw at 20, it'll be open. It's kind of, think about the Rams the other night. They had two third and ones, and they threw it deep. They yeah. said, forget it, because they go all out on the run. They're going to sell out. I don't want to deal with that. We'll fake it and hopefully find a play down the field. I think one time they did, one time they didn't. But, yeah, this was a 20-6 to football game where, 
hey, the, 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 the Lions won the game, of course, and both of these teams are different. But I think you could see even in that game there was things about the matchup where the Bucks can hang in there with the Lions. Yeah. And, again, Lions make a mistake or Baker gets a hot hand. We know an upset can happen here, especially with the Lions' pass defense, as we know, right? It's got issues. The Bucks can pass protect pretty well. So – and you guys don't have the greatest pass rush. Usually to do that, you got to gotta get aggressive and blitz and do stuff like that to where that's where I think the game can kind of lend us some fireworks in this one here because yeah. the Bucks aren't going to be like, oh, they're blitzing. Let's throw the, the hot route for three yards. They're going to go, let's keep another guy in the block and hit Mike Evans 60 yards down the field. That's where they're kind of fun, and that's where I think this matchup can be fun uh, when we tune in on Sunday and we're there. So... Um... So here, let, let's touch a little bit on the Rams here because yeah. I know you looked at the tape here. You yeah. looked at the Lions' offense, you looked at the uh, Lions' defense, and yeah. they you know both both halves were completely different. Basically, right? It was like the first half. It was like, well, this game's going to be fifty-six to fifty-five. Yeah, and the second half, it was neither team could score and, and cash in the red zone if you're the if you're the Rams there. Um, what what was your biggest takeaway first half to second half? Like what changed for the for the Detroit Lions there? You, you know, it's funny is. Like, I, I thought that I was going to turn on the film with the Rams, right? Because as we were sitting there, I was going, the Rams, I mean, the, the Rams defense got to do something, right? Remember, I was going, like, they got to go all in and stop one of these things here, right? Yeah. They were kind of trying to play it in the first half, like, both ways. Like, we're playing run front, but we're playing pass coverage. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be like, that's cool, but it's the Lions, and they don't give a shit. They'll still run the ball against your five-man run front. And they're also like, if the numbers are even, right, and it's seven blockers versus seven guys in the box, they're like, that's fine with us. We're not looking to always have an one-man advantage in the run game. They're totally cool with that. They're, yeah. they're a team that will run the ball even when there's an extra guy in the box and they can't block it. They're old school that way, right? Like, how did football ever survive without the RPO, right? Yeah. You hear me laugh and joke about that in the viewing room all, all the time. You don't always need the numbers. You don't advantage. always need the numbers. There's so many RPOs where I look at it, and sorry, I just spit on the table there, where I go, oh, whoa, they threw the bubble screen for two yards. And I go, if he gave the ball to the running back, the hole is huge, and he's going to run for 30 yards. But we go, oh, the numbers. The num-. And I want to go, the, the numbers don't always dictate things. How did Emmett Smith and the Cowboys run the ball? Yeah. How did they do it? How did the Giants do it? I don't know back in the day. Oh, that's right. They fucking left one guy unblocked that made sense. And, but so my point is there, the Rams were trying to have it both ways. In the second half, they – we're maybe a hair more aggressive with, yes, let's stop, go total coverage in the secondary, but not a lot. The biggest difference was their D-line just played better in the second half Hmm. and certainly was a little more physical, aggressive, got off blocks. And I think the other thing that I just jumped out to me, because I was looking going, wait, are they schematically, they're really not doing anything different, right? But their linebackers, too, in the first half were a little bit like, hey, I'm right here, I'm in my gap. And it's like Raheem Morris had to go, hey, there's a, you know, like we always talk about, there's a fucking hole there. The running back's about to come in there. Meet him in there. Don't wait him for him to get to you. And then he runs you over right. and gets three extra yards or he breaks your tackle because you're sitting there flat-footed waiting for him. Like, just go through the hole and then he's got nowhere to go and then we'll rally around him, right? And that's where I felt like they started to see it better. They started to be attack aggressive more that way. And, yeah, forced some three outs. Controlled the second half of the football game, really, the Rams did. And they just couldn't, as we talked about Sunday night, I don't think we were wrong. The Lions are tough in the red zone. 
And that's another good thing about this Bucks team. They're very similar that way. Mm. Let up a lot of passing yards. Don't run on us. We don't let you score touchdowns when you get down here. They're the same way you guys are that way. So that's where it's fascinating, too. But because you guys can stop the run, when you get down there and you don't have to worry about being spread out, the and like I field. said, the whole field, yeah. now, okay, our secondary issues are not really that big of a deal because the field's so tight. And that's where, and you play the proper coverages in the red zone too. You don't take a lot of chances. You understand we play soft. We kind of keep people in front of us. It's going to be hard for that team to punch it in the end zone. They might get a few yards here and there, yeah. but they're not going to get in the end zone. And then they got some athletes in close spaces like they that. They definitely I like do. CJ Gardner Johnson, exactly right. Or tackle aggressive, instinctive, Joseph, right? Yeah. Anzalone, you know, Campbell playing the middle. Yeah. Uh, all of that. Yeah, you got some guys who certainly are instinctive that way. Maybe just not pure man-to-man shut down cover corners in the secondary. Now, I've made this point many times on this podcast that Matthew yeah. Stafford is my favorite quarterback of right. all time. No offense to the one I'm sitting next to right now <laughs> on my left, but um, he, he and he was awesome, and he was tough. He showed the toughness that he has shown his whole career, um, possibly getting knocked out, and, and some people suggested he faked a rib injury just so that people didn't check him for a concussion Maybe. and he could stay in the game. Yeah. Who knows what uh, he was doing? I wouldn't what I would have done. There was one play, though, that you wanted to point out in this game that could have swung it entirely, and it was... Uh, a Cooper Cup six yard pass. Yeah, let me but see. Yeah, yeah. Puka Nakua was, yeah. was open on this. He one. was so good in this football game. It's incredible. Yes, it's incredible. So why would right. you pick this one play? <laughs> well, just to go, you know, one he was, you know, they're not in this game and having a chance to win a visit for Matthew Stafford. Yes. He made so many big throws into tight windows with people around him. Right, It was incredible. And the game didn't start off the way they wanted to, to where they could lean on the run game. They got behind, so they kind of had to throw the ball more than they wanted yeah. to and never really got it that way. Williams got hurt right. at some point. Right, so, exactly yeah. right. I think the Lions did a really good job of mixing up coverages, doing things like that. Your Lions football team, the one thing I've, you know, you heard me say the last six weeks, they definitely blitz a little bit more and become more aggressive. And I felt like they played more man-to-man in this football game, too. Because I think they were a little like, if we play zone, Matthew's average just going to pick us apart. Mm-hmm. So, Big downs. Let's play man-to-man, right? We'll be aggressive, physical. If he makes the throw into a tight window, so be it. We can live with that, right? So they did that. But here, this is the only negative play of the football game by Matthew Stafford. (laughs) And I really fucking mean this. Like, maybe could have hit Cooper Cup on the first drive on a first down where they settled for a field goal and should have been a touchdown. But I won't go, ooh, it wasn't easy. This play right here, though, hits the last play. It's third and 14, I believe, right? And this is where they were kind of in the, you know, should we go for it? Should we punt? What do we want to do? And you'll see here, right, you got the bunch up top, which they love to do, the Rams. And we look by all due accounts. We got a man-to-man front, right? And look, you guys are playing five-man front as usual, being aggressive that way. Okay, so let it go here. You're going to see, I don't know if you got a next next screen. Yep, okay, here it comes. You'll see here, he throws the ball over the middle to Cooper Cup. Oh, this is second down, excuse me. I was wrong on the third down. And you see Cooper Cup there, gets the completion, but look behind him. Mm. You see Puka Nakua? Yeah. Now, listen, I know we're just giving you two screenshots here, but you're just going to have to believe me. Matthew, there was a big window where he could have hit it. And I don't know what happened if he couldn't see it quite the right way, if he was just willing to go, let, let me get a quick completion. Here's the play. Here it is before this. See, right here, the look you'd go, 
I, actually, you look at it and go, I, I would not throw the ball to Cooper Cup here. That's going right. to take an extraordinary throw. Puka Nakua, you can see, is coming wide open over the middle. The, the, the Lions messed up the passing off of the, be- the bunch there. So he's got him. But it's like on this one, I don't know if he just thought, man, there's no way they'll double Puka, so I'll just take the underneath route. He made his yeah. mind up early. But, like, I'm not even overstating this. That was it. If he if he gets ready and throws the ball right here and hits Puka Nakua in stride, by all due accounts, the way it looked like to me on film was he was going to run right out the back door and run for a touchdown. You yeah. could see where the safety is, right? And the safety yeah. in the deep middle is actually starting to float to the left here. So he was going to catch it on the run going to the right, and it was going to be like nobody's there, and he's going to be full speed and going to split everybody, right? When, when was this in the game? The second to last play of the game. This is like the second to last play for the Rams. The next play is the third and the, the you know, I think he gets sacked on third down, and then they can't go for it on fourth down. Right, it becomes fourth and fourteen, right. and they punt it, and you go. They'll never get it back. The Lions yes. are going to keep the ball. Puffed up my chest, and there you were. Nostradamus called his shot, and you got it right. I'm literally, I'm not even fucking joking. It's the only negative play of Matthew Stafford the whole football game. Wow, the only, only one. And again, too, you know, to his. He's under pressure a lot in this game. He took a lot of hits. He's probably going, wait, I can't take a sack. Let me get the ball out quickly. Let me just keep us in a good situation. And we get into third and four, I'm guaranteeing we'll get a first down after that. So he kind of predetermined that way. But he's not one to do that. And he's usually one to look for what's the more aggressive killer throw. Uh, And that was kind of surprising. I just thought it was worth pointing out. It's kind of a a different little nuance there. Yeah, and and the Rams, I mean, they were legit scary down the stretch. What Seven and one to end the season. Seven and two, I guess, with the playoff loss right there. Loss to the Ravens in overtime. It was their only loss. Young defense, probably going to get better here. Who knows? Aaron Donald, come back for another year. There's, There's a lot of things to like if you're the Rams, uh, it may be the same thing for the for the Bucks because this was one of those years where it's like, ah, you lost Tom Brady. Are we taking a step back? We're all getting older. It's almost the opposite situation of the Rams, right? Rams is like this resurgent team. They remade themselves. Right. Um, this is from 7th Evan that says, Jason Licht, executive of the year. Light, Jason Light. It's spelled Licht, but it's Light. Jason Light, executive of the year. I was thinking of a different guy. Uh, this plus Baker's renaissance after bra- uh, bagging Brady and a ring. When will this man get his due? Hopefully yeah. after ring. Yeah. Some people don't even know how to say his name. When will this man finally get the recognition he deserves? Well, listen, we talked about it a little last week, right? It, we, we, we hit on it last week, and I said, man, the Bucks. I mean, it's, they're $80 million in dead money, right? I mean... They got some things about their football team where nobody's getting respect. They got a rookie in Yaya Diaby that was, you know, a special football player. We talked about, yeah, it's Baker Mayfield. Nobody wanted him. We do, you know, all of that. I don't know if you get executive of the year because of that. Yeah. Right? You know, like, it's amazing. I think it's more of what he's built in the past with this football team that they can still handle $80 million in dead money and go, hey, we're still putting a good product. Yeah. Right? But, you know, either way, that's where I'll stick up for Todd Bowles when they were like, he's on the hot seat there, too. And I want to be like, what? you haven't even let him spend money and build the team the way he wants yeah. to yet, right? Like, that's kind of crazy to me. And he's won the division twice, and here it's a playoff game. You know, and last year was a weird year. You can't hold Todd Bowles totally accountable for last year. I mean, Brady and the divorce stuff affected the football team. He took a few weeks off in training camp. He didn't play well. It was a distraction. Everything. 
that's hard for me to just put that on Todd Bowles, right? So, you know, there's all of that. But, yes, Jason Light, Todd Bowles, unbelievable, getting the most out of this football team. Yeah. And, you know, credit to Todd Bowles and finally giving up on the pipe dream of, oh, we're going to run the ball and play defense and be that team and starting to go, wait, that's just not who we are. I'm going to let Baker start throwing the ball a little bit more, and we'll play it that way. And uh, they've been dangerous ever since they made that switch. If you want to go to this game yeah. and you don't already have tickets, it's going to be expensive. Average ticket price is $1,186, according to TickPick.com. Right now, the highest-priced divisional round game previously Incredible. was last year's 49ers-Cowboys game in Dallas at $605. This is almost double that. Wow. That's People impressive. In I mean, this Detroit's is what happens. going big time here. Go, we haven't been in this game in three decades. Right. We'll right. pay whatever. Hey, I'm, I'm excited to, to watch this. You know, this is uh, like, like I was kind of saying, your defense is not great, right? Their only choice or chance is be aggressive like we talked about. And yeah. I think that fits the, the complimentary part of your football You're team. You're okay with that. I'm okay with that on defense. I'm not always okay with all the fourth down going for it. But, but I will say it to you. Yeah. In a one-point game. Yeah, I mean the Laporta fourth and one. I mean some teams from the two yard line would say, "Hey, we just need points early." You know, I, like I do think, and McVay, I joke about it, but him yeah. punting, you know, it's fourth and fourteen. What I are you know that, do? that but, was a hard one, right? But I it's know. like any of those in the red zone. You're at the ten yard line on fourth down. I you hear take you. field goals every single I time, and it's a one point game. It's I like, know. Yeah. Maybe that was the turning point. I, I, game, I hear know? you there. I hear you there. You know, it's it's a tough decision in that one. It yeah. really is. And McVay is not afraid to, you know, go for it or put it all on the line. Yeah. I think he was kind of going, wait, we're hanging in there on defense. We're just going to win this one ugly, and we'll kick a late field goal and beat him, right? Yeah. I think that's kind of how he went. Uh, but your point, certainly real. But just like, you know, like I said, be aggressive. Hopefully one of our blitzes, as in the Lions, can create chaos and get them behind the chains, right? That's kind of the way they play. They're like, either we're going to get you behind the chains and our offense is going to get the ball back, or we're going to try to get you behind the chains and the chains are going to move the other way 50 <laughs> yards down the field and there's going to be yeah. a big pass play. But either way, you're going to kick a field goal, get a touchdown, and our offense will be back on the field again to apply pressure. Yeah. And I think that's, what's, that's what they are, and I, and I like that for sure. I cannot wait for this game. Me we neither. will be there. We will have our credentials. But if someone wants to give me a couple thousand dollars for my credential, maybe I'll just give no, it up. Uh, yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, we could probably figure that out. I mean, we could probably be like, no, no, come on. He's hosting the show. He doesn't need the credential. Yeah, right. I just get in yeah. because I'm with you. Yeah. And, and then we're like, well, we lost it. And it's actually like you've sold it for 5000 to some guy on the field. Yeah. <laughs> Until he's disappointed and realizes – Oh, I can't even stay here the whole game? Yeah, you know, right, that's, that's, exactly. I tried to do that before, and the NFL came by. On the like, field, yeah. We tried to do it in 49ers-Vikings game a few years ago, and me and Florio we were like, well, let's stay out here and just watch the game here instead of like going in our little room they where we watch on TV. They're good about that. They're and like, about yeah. the second quarter, they were like, hey, yours is only for halftime and the pregame and postgame. Uh, the NFL security came and found us, and we were like, what? So like, where do we okay. watch the game then? They're gonna, we're going to go inside and watch it in a room. In a room. I know. Are we going to see the field or just on a TV? You're going to be in a room with no windows and just the TV. You're going to be in a dungeon. That's where we're going to you watch it. Isn't care. it weird? It's backwards. It's weird. The people who are doing the game that are supposed to tell you about the game yeah. can't actually watch the game in person. We've got to watch on TV. Yeah. I, th- 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 again, you know me. That drives me crazy. Yeah. NFL, hey, we want you guys to cover the game, but don't actually fucking watch it in person and have a better feel. Yeah. We're going to lock you in a fucking room. And then you could tell us from there. Don't you know anyone in a suite or something like that? Can't we just talk to these high rollers somewhere? I don't know. We'll see. Um, I'm just happy to be it's here. It's your town. You're I'm supposed happy to be right. high I should, I should be able to pull some strings here. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll watch at least uh, one quarter until we get kicked out. All right, so that's in Detroit.
We got in Santa Clara, the winner of this Bucks and Lions game will play either the seven-seed Packers, the first time in the history of the NFL a seven-seed has won a game in the playoffs. Their prize is uh, they get to play a well-rested 49ers team Saturday, 8-15 Eastern on Fox. Um, so I got, I'm not, like my number one question, and you watch back the Packers and, and Cowboys. Yeah. This is what I want to know. And I've yeah. done a couple interviews with people in San Ooh. Francisco, and they want to know this too. <laughs> they go, that Packers team looked pretty good. Like, can they do what they did to the Dallas Cowboys to our defense? In some ways. I think this is a much better defense than the Dallas defense. It's, it's less predictable. There's more rules to figure out within the zones and blitzes they bring, right? To where it's like Dallas is like, oh, it's blitz, it's man-to-man. Oh, it's zone, it's Tampa 2 or cover 3. That's it. The day's over. That's all we need to figure it out. As long as we can just drop back and kind of figure out what they're ending up in, boom, we're going to kill them. Right? We're going to make big plays. The 49ers are a little bit more um, schematically challenging to me than the, than the Dallas Cowboys. Right? They're, they're an incredible zone football team. I talk about it all the time. They don't really want to play man-to-man. And when they, you know, uh, when they play man-to-man, it's just a curveball every now and then to go, wait, we're going to blitz, and you weren't expecting it. We've been playing zone, and now we're going to do this. Right? So that's where they're different. They really are. And – they're a much better run defense. They have a much better front seven than the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, much better. I mean, this is, the, this is the, the, one of the best run-stopping defenses in football. This is, you heard me talk about Dallas. You saw my notes. Dallas Cowboys have not good middle linebackers. Like, not good, right? The 49ers, it's fucking all-star and all-star, in my opinion. I mean, it's, it's all pro, and then, like, Dre Greenlaw, to me, should be, like, Third team all pro, if there was that. I know there's only two teams, right? So the talent level, the scheme are different. But can the Packers do some stuff? Of course they can. Of course. The Packers, just so we always talk about, one are aggressive. Lafleur has showed to me that he understands how to expose rules here over the last five or six weeks when they finally kind of took the training wheels off of Jordan Love and started doing all these cool things that we broke down in the podcast where I was like, it's unbelievable, the motions, the movement, all that. I mean, they're, they're motioning three times in the same play. It's like the receiver, the tight end shift, the guy motions, they say set hut, they fake it, and then the guy comes back in a motion again. I mean, they do it all. So, yes, they can pose some problems, let alone, you know, they can keep the 49ers honest with – like, you got to play run defense because they can run the ball and their O-line's good. And then they're, uh, they're one of the best pass-protecting O-lines in football. They're going to be able to protect and go, okay, now can we – I got a little time. Can LaFleur and Love figure out the coverage downfield and now let some of our creativity expand these zones like we've talked about, right, where they like yeah. the three-on-two people and two-on-three and do all that. But the good offenses know how to like, hey, if I send this guy this way, it really spreads the, the zone out, and now we sit somebody in the middle and boom. And, yeah, so from that standpoint, yes, I do think they have a chance there. The Packers, and you heard me say this before the year, are extremely talented. That's why I picked them to win the NFC North, if you remember. I got shit on by all the Lions fans when we were in Kansas City. They were all mad at me. You know? <laughs> yeah. But I saw the talent on the football field. It's young, right? I think they're the youngest team in football, I think. But they are extremely talented. They're not going to be outclassed where we're going to be like, whoa, the 49ers are so fat, much faster. The 49ers are so much bigger. It's just going to be, are they ready for the intensity 
the attention to detail, the 49ers, the talent have all of that, and it's all at a pinnacle. And is this young, still finding their way football team, can they bring their A-plus game that they're going to have to bring? To me, that's yeah. really the biggest thing. Because it's a game where you have to go, we gotta got got to play perfect, guys. They've showed that they can kind of play the perfect game. So we have to play perfect and then some, right? Like somebody's going to have to do something extraordinary too, like they do. The 49ers play perfect, and it was still Debo Samuel breaks seven tackles and runs down the sideline. We go, oh, my gosh, not only are their plays cool, but they got guys that just fucking do shit on their own, and they're going to have to be able to match that as well. So I'm curious, and, and uh, yeah. like if they play that game, and you watch, you watch the film, yeah. if they play that game ten times, right. how many times do the Packers win that game? More than people want to give it, like a lot, a lot. They're going to win more than Dallas is going to win. They are every bit as talented as Dallas. They're just not as seasoned and cultured and all of that quite yet, right? Because they're young. Mm-hmm. All right? But you know, if you break it down, O-line, I'd take the Packers. D-line, I'd take the Packers. Linebackers, that's not even a question. You saw in my notes. I, I think the Dallas linebackers are horrible, you know? corner that's that's a tough one and i'd probably go with the cowboys right the point being it's the packers are really good it's really close you go to receivers i'd go that's that's really close i don't know you take that whole group in green bay i mean i know i like cd lamb but i think you get into the two the three and the four receiver i'd go i don't know the packers are right there with them if not better right so um Yes, and there's things, as we always talk about, schematically where they match up the right way. I know I made a big deal last week about, hey, Joe Barry's going to know the rules of this offense. It's basic West Coast bullshit, like I've been telling everybody the whole year. He grew up in basic West Coast bullshit. He, so he saw this Packers, these Cowboys on film and was like, oh, fuck, I remember this. I know this play. Gruden used to do this to us in 2002 all the time in practice. 2003, 2004. Sims used to check to this. And when we played Tim, like, he knows the rules. And it showed in the football game. Let alone Lafleur knows Dan Quinn's rules. And that showed in the football game. And then they got the talent to kind of go out there and do it. So, um, yeah, it's not like yeah. this was a one Oh, they play Stars 10 times. No, yeah. not at all. Not at all. This is a team that has better talent than people realize and is, is, um, matches up really well with that Dallas football so team. So the 49ers better take them seriously they this, will. this weekend. Trust here. me, I can and- guarantee Shanahan turned on the film and went, fuck, fuck, they're good, fuck. Like, I guarantee it. He was like, damn it. And then he's a little bit like, gosh, it's Lafleur, and he's going to know some of my offensive tricks, and he's going to try to tell Joe Barry what they are, right? And, you know, even within this, Lafleur's going to go, hey, a lot of your scheme is rooted in, you know, Seattle, Dan Quinn, and all that. He's going to know some of those rules, right? So he certainly, I guarantee this week, is preaching to his team, like, don't think just because they're the seventh seed that we're going to come in here and beat the crap out of them. Don't think that. Because they got, like we said last week, they got nothing to lose. They can go, ah, so what? It's third and nine. It's third and 19. Who the fuck cares? Let's take a shot down the field, right? Nobody expects yeah. us to win anyways. And that's when a team is, is dangerous in the playoffs. Well, I mean, think of what they've done. Think of what they've done this year, especially late. They beat the Chiefs. Yeah. They beat the Lions in Detroit. And now they just destroy the Dallas it Cowboys shows you the potential. in Dallas. Exactly. So they, you see their top end game is legit off of that. 
it's the lulls, it's the weird games that they played that had us all be like, what? I mean, I guess they're just not quite ready yet. Yeah. Right? The deep the defense struggled. So we'll see. But uh, yeah, Green Bay's got a, a lot of versatility in their attack on both sides of the ball as well. So if Kyle's like, oh, crap, this is not good, looking at the film, going, going into his film study, maybe we can help him out because we can go inside your notebook, <laughs> presented probably. by nobody yet. Actually, we've had a couple of homies uh, sponsor it, but they only gave us one check, so uh, one time only. Uh, you had a, one specific play here, a Romeo Dobbs 39-yard catch against the Dallas Cowboys that now... Kyle is studying, and now he's taking a screenshot of your notes here. Um, Maybe this is more of an indictment on how Dallas tried to defend them. You go, uh, after this play, Dallas got scared, played a soft zone. Oops, I was wrong. Of course I was. Aggressive, aggressive, aggressive. Because in that, a few plays later, what happens, I'll dissect this play in a second, but a few plays later, well, it goes back to like what we started off the podcast with. The Philadelphia Eagles, all-out blitz, Jalen Hurts. Well, we saw the, the, the Packers had a plan. So a few plays later, he recognizes the all-out blitz. He goes up to the line of scrimmage. He changes the protection. He brings the tight end in and says, come on in. I need you. you got to help me out here because I've changed the routes, and we're going to fuck them over for a touchdown as long as you guys can block for me here. Yeah. And he gets it all changed up and throws a touchdown versus an all-out blitz, and it was phenomenal. And that's the shit where you look at Jordan Love and go, uh-oh, watch out, because he's getting a clue of how to play quarterback totally, right, in all aspects. But it's a little bit like we talked about on Sunday night, right? Like a little bit of, I know that you know that we're going to do this because teams do this to beat you in these coverages all the time. So I know you're going to overplay that because everybody does this against you and you're ready for it. And they're going to be all schooled up on, hey, we like to do this and teams do this to us all the time. So let's throw a curveball or a wrench into the thing that we do all the time and the thing that everybody does against them. They're gonna let's bet that they overplay it because they're Dallas and they're over aggressive yeah. and do this. So here's like a little three by one all go type of concept is what we would call it here, right? You got uh, Dobbs eighty seven in the middle, eighty. Uh, uh, I mean in the in the inside of the three, eighty is at the slot, and then Jaden Reed's coming in motion across the formation to be the third and outside receiver. So with this three three by one verticals, Dobbs runs like kind of almost a deep crosser on the inside, right? More than that, you want this versus a single safety defense. You want it versus man to man or three deep because you put the safety in a bind, right? With eighty seven and eighty. It's like, hey, choose your choice. Do you want to take Dobbs on the deep crosser or you want to take 80 really deep? You got to make a decision. Make a decision. What are you going to do? Right? So teams play this and they're playing like a, 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 um, a they're really playing a match zone here. Okay. okay. I know this looks like man, but it's a match zone. And why you, people will go, what do you mean it's match zone? It looks like it's three guys, you know, it's four on four. No, if it was man, 26 Deron Bland would be over. He's a corner. If it was man, 33, you see D- Damone Clark there, he would be not, he would not be playing Jaden Reed one-on-one down the field. So it's rooted in match zone coverage, even though it looks exactly like man, okay? Mm-hmm. It's weird, all right? But either way, we can get in dissertation some other day about that. Anyways, they run this play. Dobbs runs across the field. And right as he gets to the ball, right, and now Jordan Lewis, number two, who's covering him, going, oh, here comes the play everybody does against us. He undercuts it and starts to beat him for across the field. And as soon as he does that, he goes, and he comes back out, and there's nobody there. 
and they did this to them two or three times during the football game for big games. Not exactly with this concept, but other ways. Yep. And that's where Lafleur and the offense have gotten really impressive. You always hear me say they got a zig for your zag. They got checks and balances. They have self scout thyself. We do this a lot, so we're going to do this, this, and this, and it looks like it. But then that's coming right. They're very good at that, and that's where they're dangerous. And you can't just go, oh, we know what we're going to get from Green Bay here in this situation, this play, right? Um, so this is a question that comes from Alex J. Watson, and I appreciate that that breakdown too. That's, I mean, that that's when you look at Jordan Love and you say he could be a top ten quarterback in the Chris Sims top forty quarterback countdown list. It's stuff like this. It's Matt Lafleur. It's them working together. Big time and it's making plays. Things very scary. Exactly right. Alex right. J. Watson says a few weeks ago you said the 49ers weren't built to come from behind. Is there a chance the Packers bring the heat in the first quarter and don't let go? Well, I mean, it, that that's the one thing we haven't seen from the 49ers, right, is those come behind, come, we're down by 10, and now we can't necessarily, necessarily rely on all the Shanahan run game tricks and the play-action pass loses its you know, effect to the same capacity if the game's really close. Oh, we're down by 10, we're down by 14, and now we have to drop back pass and throw the ball all the time. That's one thing we have not seen from the 49ers. And that's not necessarily Shanahan's bread and butter as he's been a head coach out there altogether. Now, I would argue that he hasn't had that type of quarterback yet. And because they're so good, Brock Purdy hasn't been in too many of those situations, right? Um, But if if they can come out and explode on the scene, it changes the dynamic of the football game greatly. It does. And that's what they did to Dallas the other day. Again, we can't overemphasize them taking the ball at the start and getting seven points and getting a lead and then not letting Dallas play with the, oh, you're behind and now we can tee off and here comes Micah Parsons on the pass rush every play. Change the way Dallas wanted to play the football game, right? And, you know, that's what they're, they're going to try to do that in the 49ers, too. Yeah. They are. They're going to try to jump out early and put the pressure on them so they can go, now Shanahan can't run the ball with McCaffrey all the time and the Debo reverses and all that, and he's going to feel a little bit more prone to wanting to throw the football. And that would be interesting if that happens. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because. Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Cheese curd 19. I think we know who he or she is rooting for. I think mm-hmm. the Packers' offense will be decent at least, but do you see a path to the Packers' defense not getting run off the field. Yeah, that's, that's the scary thing, right? 
This is a totally this is the, this is the part of the matchup. Like I told you, I think I could see Green Bay making some plays on the 49ers defense and giving them some issues because they're so balanced and they're talented and they can throw the ball short to Aaron Jones and do stuff like that and then of course they can protect and throw the ball deep and expose you that way too. So there's a lot there. It's the Green Bay defense I worry about. You know, I know they're talented. I get that. But more weeks than not, we came away a little unimpressed by them. And last week was right up their alley because of what I said. They played an offense where the defensive coordinator was like, I know this offense. Don't you guys worry. I'll put us in the right spots. Shanahan rooted in the West Coast offense. But Shanahan, unlike Mike McCarthy or the other coaches you hear me make fun of, went, everybody knows the West Coast offense. Let me, i got to add the Shanahan offense to this. Right. So the language is West Coast. There's some basic rules that are West Coast. But it's the Shanahan offense. That's what it is. He's changed it from the West Coast to the Shanahan. And that's where it's a whole different ball game. And they throw so much at you. And, of course, it's the most diverse complicated offense in football and I'm not just saying that because he's my friend yeah you talk to any coach in football I get texts most weeks man we're playing your boy Shanahan this week man holy crap I never realized how much they do holy cow there's so much we have to worry about and you know that's what Joe Barry's saying to himself right now it's the the empire strikes back because I think defenses have had a little bit of an advantage maybe the last couple of years. I think I saw a clip where Nick Saban was saying he was on a call with a bunch of offensive coaches, and he was like, you guys are like the devil. You guys are making things so hard right now. It's like, but um, that's what it is with yeah. emotions and the, and the slants. And the, it's, it's, it's definitely, if you have a creative offense, yes. you can make things very difficult on the defense. 100%. 100%. We have a couple of screenshots here. I don't know if either of them apply okay. to anything that the 49ers are going to have to worry about or if these were just Dallas-specific. We have Let's the say, Jair, Jair yeah. Alexander interception versus uh, the Cowboys. Yeah. No, I think this more or not is a little bit like, hey, Dak Prescott did not play great. There's no doubt about it. You know, I, I, you know, it was worse than I thought. I will say that. Now, some of it was, yeah, they were all over stuff, but there were certainly some plays and some throws where I just go, Dak, like you're better than this, or you can make that throw. You should have hit that. Dak's mechanics were a little off, like we've seen in the past. He had the whole front leg lockout. He's throwing a ball and his front leg going backwards, which I again I'm almost sometimes go, I don't even know how he throws the ball like that. Like I'm it's actually a physical marvel of like how he throws the ball like that. But here, yeah, this is a play that one, the Packers are ready for, but two, that the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott makes the wrong read. Period. That's that's really what there is to it. And then let it go here. You're going to see we got Jai Alexander. They do a great job of kind of passing off this little bunch thing here, right? You see here, it looks like he has Gallup man to man, but go ahead and let it go, Pete. They're going to pass it off, and he waits for the first guy to come outside. And they pass it off the right way. And you can see he's underneath. Cooks runs like one of those little five-yard outs, but now he's coming back underneath, right? So they're trying to hope that, like, Jair will be really aggressive and overplay the out route, right? And then we come back in, and boom, we hit him on the run almost like a slant, and he carves up right up the middle of the defense. Right. Excuse me, that... It, it could be. It's a whip route. It's not exactly a whip route, a China route. It, there's a lot of different versions of it, but similar to that, Pete. You're 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 right about that. Kind of a whip whip right whip ish type route. But look at behind him. The rules would be that if the underneath route is collapsed on zone or man, 
that you go over the top because that'll be open. And you could see CeeDee Lamb on a 12 to 14-yard out route is wide open. Just throw it on the sideline and hit him. But for some reason, Dak got kind of stapled on the Brandon Cook's little whip route, as Pete wants to say, or or the return route, however mm-hmm. it is. And Jair Alexander makes an incredible play, incredible yeah. catch, interception. And, of course, yeah, big moment in the football game because it just uh, it let, it let Green Bay get the short field and, and go up 14 nothing like before Dallas even got into sweat. It, w- it, w- it was weird seeing the interactions between Dak and CD and CD and Mike McCarthy. Like something was off from the get-go. It seemed I don't like know. from the first quarter on. There was definitely a few plays where CD was going to go, wait, I, you know, I, sh- I should have got the ball. And he's not wrong. He's not. Dak was a little bit. Quick to go through reads, got stuck on some guys, right? And definitely was flustered to a degree. Mm. It was not his best game, certainly. And, you know, again, the second interception, I know we showed the dots the other day, but that, again, goes into a little bit of, like, it was a little too, you know, telegraphed, not only just by Dak, but they run that stuff too much. I mean, we started off the year, you know, me writing – some of those plays in Dallas when they played the Cowboys going, whoopty fucking do Dallas. Oh, Dallas came out and ran this play against the 49ers? They're like, what? We saw this play a hundred times in April, let alone like you're running on this now, mm-hmm. right? So they have a little of that aspect that is frustrating in Dallas. And like I've always said, it, it's too reliant on the Jimmys and Joes, and the X's and O's right. are a little too elementary there. All right, I think that's good. You'll make your pick tomorrow. Yeah. On the picks pod. Yep, got some work to do. Got some work to do. Go in the lab. You told me last week at this time that you were going to pick the Lions to beat the Rams, and then you flipped it on I me switched a day it. later. I was last week, I was totally up in the air about Lions and Packers, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, not, excuse me, Lions, Lions and, and Rams, Rams. And I told you, and I was leaning Lions there. Yeah. And I obviously was wrong. Lied to my face. And then I, I told you there, too, that. The Packers could upset the Dallas Cowboys. You did say that. And I think I told you I was going to take Dallas in a close one, but I, I'm, I do think Green Bay can do it, right? This is the one where I look at and go, I feel like I'm going to pick the 49ers for sure, right? But I will put out there that the Packers steal a possession, do something like that with the way they're playing right now. They can get an interception, maybe one, one or two stops on the defensive side of the ball. That Yeah, they could be dangerous for the 49ers. Clearly good enough to run with the best teams out there, yeah. as are the Bills, as are the Chiefs. Sunday, 6.30 oh Eastern gosh. on CBS. Oh Mahomes versus Josh Allen. The latest chapter. Uh, we haven't talked about the Bills uh, beating the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, so, and we did talk quite extensively about the Chiefs handling the, the Miami Dolphins. So this will be a little more Bill-centric here and what, what they got to do against the Chiefs and that matchup. But just what, what was your headline takeaway of the Bills beating the, the Steelers? Well, yeah, I know. I got a lot of notes here. I, I got, you know, I, I, I think I've told you before, I text my wife during the games oh. my notes of the games and stuff. So that's what I'm <laughs> pulling right. up if you're wondering why I'm being disrespectful here. Well, and looking I figured at my something phone. was going on, family um, emergency or whatnot. I, I think, um, you know, it, the Bills... They're just primed and tough and gritty right now. Mm. And the thing, like I said on Pro Football Talk yesterday morning, and Romo kind of alluded to this, and we've hit on it too, is just they've been playing playoff football for six weeks, right? So they're just like, what? Whatever. And they're also not into any narratives. They're just like, we're just going to win the fucking game. 
That's all we got to do. We're not worried about Diggs getting passes or Josh Allen's not going, I want to throw for 350, right? There's, no, there's just like, what do we have to do this week to win the game? And they have that kind of aspect about them right now that's dangerous. That, that's what I love. Hmm. But, yeah, I think it's the, the physicality of the Bills. I worry about them being banged up on defense this week going into this football game. But overall, yeah, it's the big play magic of Josh Allen, the patience with the run game, the deep and physical front four that they have on the defensive side of the ball, right? All that they can pass protect really well, and they've become a better running football team to go along with that. Um, and, you know, they're, they're going to be a tough out at home against Kansas City. It's, gonna, it's funny. It's, it's Josh Allen and Mahomes, but it's the first time in the Josh Allen-Mahomes matchup era where it's not high-flying Josh Allen and Mahomes. It's more like, hey, defense, run the ball, and then we'll make a magic play here and there just to help out the offense. Right. But how can you not, you know, the defense getting the early turnover and giving Pittsburgh or giving Buffalo the short field, and then the Kyer Elam interception in the end zone, to me, were the two big moments of the football game. Because, like we talked about before, it, you know, to go up 14 nothing that early against Pittsburgh made Pittsburgh not be able to play the kind of game they wanted to play. And then there they were in a chance to kind of like get the game going in their direction, and Elam makes a great interception. You know, Pittsburgh never really got it on the terms they wanted to. And right now, I don't think Buffalo cares what terms they are, they're in. Hmm. They'll play ugly, they'll play high-flying, they'll do whatever they got to do to win the football game. And I think that's what's awesome about them right now. So this is the fun part. This is going to be really fun if you're a Buffalo Bills fan because we're going to take a look at some dots here. But first, let's take a look at Josh Allen's passing chart versus the Steelers, where he was able to throw the ball here. Um, and he used his weapons. And this has been your critique for the past couple of years. It's yeah. like outside of Stephon Diggs, who do they have? Well, right. they threw a touchdown to Dalton Kincaid in this one, Khalil Shakir. And then he used his own dang legs to run 52 yards for a touchdown. Uh, you know, come on. It's, he's incredible. The way he started the game, and some of the plays and throws he made, the first touchdown pass, the second touchdown pass, a 56-yard a run and by a 245-pound white quarterback in the playoffs? Like, what? That, that, that just doesn't happen. Yeah, next-gen stats. Tracked yeah. it. It's never Tracked happened it. before. Never and happened. That, yeah. Right, right. And they put it in white person parentheses. Like, never happens. Yeah. Like, crazy. Not since yeah. Steve Young. Yeah. All right? Something like that. But, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say about it. He played the game pretty perfectly. I mean, he didn't make really one dicey decision. That's kind of what he's on right now, yeah. right? Um, and, yeah, the run itself, I know there's a lot of talk on the run right now. Do you want to do the run right now? Yeah, let's, let's do the, the run, run as well. Right. We let's, brought it up. You let's might as go well. inside the numbers, powered by AWS, Josh Allen. He's a little dot there, 17. Should be a little bit bigger. Definitely faster than the rest of them. There he goes. Boom, boom. Oh, <laughs> wait, what happened right there? Yes. Everyone just stopped for a second right. or, or got juked out. Um, 52-yard scramble. So let's give the numbers. His top speed was 19.33 miles per hour. That's pretty good. Almost pretty good. 20 miles an hour. On that field, in that condition, I think, does change it a little Definitely. bit. Definitely. He had a touchdown probability on that play of 0.2%. Yeah. Well. His recognition is phenomenal. First off, this is where he knows it's man-to-man. He knows they've rushed five. He knows if he breaks the line of scrimmage, there's, there's nobody there to tackle him, right? 
that's why he made such a quick decision. He kind of saw a gap. He knew the coverage. He knew they were in a five-man front, and he said, uh-oh, they're in trouble. I'm just going to go run and get the first down. Now, once he breaks the line of scrimmage here and he starts to get into a bunch of people, like I see people out there on right now on social media thinking, did he fake the slide? Sky Vern is one of right. those. He goes, so much praise for Josh Allen's run, but faking going down is bush. Steelers players stopped when he faked. Quarterbacks should not be able to take the rules that protect them and use them fairly. But where did but where I'm going to say is where did he fake the slide? Like because he did a stutter step? That's a fake slide now? Don't you're interpreting what you want to interpret is what I would tell you at Skyvern. I'm I he I could take you to the play last week against the the Miami Dolphins when he runs over the D tackle. He does the same thing. He kind of gets in a spot with like, oh no, what do I do here? And he starts to kind of hop and go, wait, do I have to make a cut or do I have to lower my shoulder? And that to me is what it looked like. It wasn't a fake slide. It wasn't Kenny Pickett in the bowl game a few years ago or the ACC championship game, yeah. whatever it was. It wasn't like he went and like put a foot in front of him and acted like leaned back like he was going to go down. I took it more when I was watching it if he wasn't sure if he wanted to make a cut or just lower his shoulder and do this. Either way, let me just tell you this. It's on the fucking Steelers. You're playing Josh Allen. You got 900 plays of him being in that situation, lowering his shoulder and running for more yards. It's DeMonte Kazee who kills everybody. So you can make all the excuses you want for the Steelers. That shit sucked by them. There's no other way to say that. It is. And that's what I think happened, too. He was like, wait, let me settle down, gear down, let me go to lower my thing. And then he realized, wait, this guy's not even attacking me here. And this guy, Patrick Peterson, is being enjoyed being blocked by the receiver because he doesn't really want to tackle me, so he's going to act like he got blocked. And then he runs away from everybody. And that, to me, also exposes the Steelers. The Steelers are slow, as we've talked about in the secondary. Yeah. I mean, Patrick Peterson's slow. DeMonte Kazee are slow. And that's part of their problem overall. But I did not look at it as a fake slide. Did you? I, I had the same. I had the same impression as you. And I think once one person said it, another person said it, then everyone started seeing the same thing. Yeah. But I, I took it as that the field was probably rock hard and the footing probably wasn't as good as it normally is too. And so if you're going to make cuts like that, you do have to like do it more deliberately maybe. And even though he has made similar moves in the past on, on different fields and different temperatures. Yeah. I didn't take it as a slide. Now Pete will make the argument though, that there was a, uh, a roughing on miles Jack earlier in the game. Yeah. But, oh, that was later in the game. Oh, yeah, it, was it was later after. in the game, but it's like, this is what you see. Right. And it was like, Jack came in a little late, didn't even hit him in the head. Um, and Allen kind of throws his arms up. Like, th- I think that would be the frustration. And you have that yeah, frustration, too. It's like me. these quarterbacks are, are, right. are babied, and so yes. it's like you're right. trying to get even more of the rules on your side. And so you would be upset if, he, if you actually thought he fake slid there. I would be You pissed. would be upset. You know I would be. Yeah. No, I don't like that. I don't like, like skirting the bylaws or the unwritten rules of the yeah. NFL, like the Lions bringing in three ineligibles and trying to trick everybody. I don't like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I would call out Josh Allen. If it was a fake slide, I am literally the guy with the quarterbacks. If you heard me in the viewing room on Saturday, it was like, fuck him, hit him harder. That's bullshit. That shouldn't have been a penalty. They should have knocked him out on the sidelines trying to cheat, get an extra yards. I am not that guy, everybody out there. So at, yeah. uh, at Sky Vern, just letting you know that, right? Yeah. I did not see it as a faking Bush League fake slide. I really didn't. And yeah. in that type of game, right, it's Josh Allen in space. you got to come down expecting him to run regardless. Miles, I mean, the Miles Jack play, I mean, that was like, it was tough. I get that. He hasn't played football in forever. He looked like he didn't have control of his body throughout the game in a few different situations. Yeah. And that one was a little bit like, hey, you saw him going down. 
and then you still tried to kind of go low and launch, and that one was where he got busted, and that's that's one they're going to call pretty obviously all the time. And that was Inside the Numbers, powered by AWS. AWS has a few more bleeps to put in that one, I think. Sorry, that's AWS. Okay. That's okay. They, they know what they got into That's here. right. <laughs> Is there either one of those touchdown plays, the one to Kincaid or the one to Shakir, that would apply to the Chiefs or, or one that would be dangerous to the Chiefs? I know that they, they beat the Steelers, but are either one of those, if we pick one of those plays... Yeah, the one. So you're asking from the oh, um, Kincaid 29 yard touchdown. Nothing's going to be that easy this week. <laughs> That's what I would say. Yeah. More than anything, yeah. right? The 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 Chiefs are a total step up in scheme and talent from where Pittsburgh is right now. I mean, the Chiefs D line is a juggernaut, and then Spags and the creativity and what they do on that side of the ball is awesome. Let alone as we always talk about. When the Jimmys and the Joes are awesome and the X's and O's are awesome, you got a great unit. And that's yep. what Kansas City has. Kansas City can play it any way they want. They're a great zone team. They're great at blitzing. They're great at, oh, if we got to play man-to-man and just rush four and have people spying Josh out, they can do it all. They really can. And that's where you know, it'll pose problems for, for Buffalo in that regard. So what can we take from Week 14, the Bills at the Chiefs, 20-17 to 17 win by Buffalo. Josh Allen had some magic in that game, as he always does. Yep. James Cook had a 25-yard touchdown. What can we take away from that game? I think that, one, like, Buffalo jumped out on Kansas City early, and I think that was still everybody was a little bit in the, wait, what does Joe Brady do on offense mode, right? Mm. Like, I think they're not going to be tricked or fooled by what Buffalo does now, right? Buffalo, I think, has settled into a little bit more of what they are as a football team. But I think even more so Kansas City. I mean, we, listen, we know the defense is special in Kansas City. They almost settle into every football game. It doesn't even matter, right? But I think the biggest thing that I would take away from it is I feel like Kansas City's in a better spot with their offense now as compared to them, right? Mm-hmm. I think they're a little bit more of accepting. In week 14, I still felt like they were in the mode of we still think we can throw for 350 a game and yeah. 340. Like, they weren't willing to give it up. These guys are going to catch eventually. They're going to catch eventually. We'll catch on fire here eventually. And I feel like, you know, the Raiders game on Christmas Day, they finally went, okay, that fucking pipe dream's over. we got to just be ugly. And they've started to kind of play that way. Not that it's ugly, ugly, mm-hmm. like we're just going to run up the middle for two yards. But they're a little more conservative, high percentage passes, run the ball, screen on the outside every now and then. And then Mahomes will take a tactical aggressive throw down the field from time to time and I think that's where they're in a different place uh, as compared to the first time around I think they're a more efficient better offense still not perfect but definitely better Let's go uh, inside the numbers again, Whoa. powered by AWS. Damn, they wanted to the do it again. They were like, you didn't swear enough the first time around. We need more. <laughs> well, this is interesting, though, because we got week 14. We got Legereus Sneed versus Stephon Diggs numbers here. And according to Next Gen Stats, Sneed aligned across from Diggs on 23 of his 35 routes, limiting him to just one reception for three yards on five targets. There were four tight windows in that. And so, I mean, we saw it last week. He was pushing Tyreek Hill into the frozen tundra at Arrowhead Stadium. and, and why they're incredible. Handled digs, too, in Week 14. They can get there with their front four if they want to. They can get there and blitz if they want to. They can still get there in their front four and go, we're going to play man-to-man. They can blitz and play man-to-man. They're good at zone. They got 99 million different defenses. You know, they got it all. That, that's where it's, it's, it's going to be a big-time challenge for Josh Allen in this offense, certainly. And, you know, that was the game where – 
you know, Diggs kind of made the tweet after the game, like they're doubling me all the time, right? Mm. And I believe Justin Reed tweeted at Pro Football Talk and everybody went like, and because he saw the article and he went, the thing is, is we didn't double him. Uh-huh. And I will attest to that. I, I came out, I told Florio on Pro Football Talk, I watched that film. There was like maybe one or two plays where you're going to go, they're doubling them. I'm not even sure it was a true double of digs of more of like, hey, they like to do this in this situation, so you play inside, you play outside, right? Whoever's in that position, the stack slot guy, he's going to run that route. So yeah. I'm not even sure it was like conducive to just doubling digs. But like in that game the first time around, there was like two plays where maybe you could say, oh, they doubled digs. Other than that, no. They're okay. They don't care. They feel like their guys can cover anybody man-to-man. Sneed and McDuffie can cover anybody. Doesn't matter what size, shape, or whatever the player is, they can cover them. And then you got the other guys, you know, uh, the other two long corners, uh, Watson and Williams, who kind of match up against the taller, faster, straight line speed guys a lot of the times, bigger guys, and they're very good at that as well. And that was inside the numbers, curse free, powered by AWS. I think <laughs> I'd, I'd have to go back I and check give them again both. Here. Which one do you like better, cursing Chris or not cursing Chris? <laughs> Pick one of the two there. Uh, so yeah, you mentioned that the chief. Offense. I think last thing here is they've kind of figured out who they want to be. Dr. Greenway asked about the Bills' defense. Yeah. Will they be able to slow down Mahomes given all their injuries? And so I'm worried about that. This, uh, Terrell Bernard go down. Right. Christian Benford. Benford went down, Bur- I think, with a, a wrist or an, a hand injury. So I'm hoping that he can play with that. Rasul they need Douglas. Yes. Teron Johnson. They need. They need. They need. They need. Teron Johnson, of course, is an all pro nickel. He's a phenomenal football player. Yeah. Rasul Douglas is having like an incredible year. So yeah, I'm going to be interested. Everybody out there, the injury report comes out later today. I definitely want to see the the severity of those and yeah. what their tag does. That, that's a big deal. There's no doubt about it. It's a knee injury for Benford, apparently. The other thing yeah. I want to look at now, you know, the the, the 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 they're a very good D line in Buffalo. They're deep. It's a good old line they're going against. It's a group that can pass protect pretty well for the most part. If they're going to get there, it's going to, they're going to have to beat the tackles. That's that, certainly. The interior, Ed Oliver versus Joe Tooney and Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey versus those deep tackles, that's going to be get your popcorn, physical, awesome football players to watch right there. Yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, I'll, I'll be interested to see where, where that goes. Uh, I was going to make another point. Oh, the other thing I wanted to ask Pete, maybe he can look this up, because, hey, the Bills, the, like you've, the depth, the talent at D-line is great. Their interior, Ed Oliver, da- Daquan Jones, really damn good. When they have Jordan Phillips along in that mix to go with, uh, uh, um, um, not um, damn, Settle, Settle, the other big D tackle they got, Settle. Tim Settle, yeah. excuse me. That's to me, Jordan Phillips is their, their kind of their dancing bear. Of the group. He's kind of the freakiest D lineman they got in a lot of ways. He's a run stuffer that can also like penetrate gaps and be disruptive. And to me, that's when I always look at Buffalo at their best. When they have all four of those D tackles at their disposal, sometimes they can put three of them on the field at the same time, yeah. but they're always fresh there and they cause havoc. And I'll, I'll be interested to see what, where he is because I know they were hoping he'd be back for the playoffs. Yeah. Yep. He had wrist surgery, was placed on IR four weeks ago. So I'm just translating Pete 
Not sure if he's yeah. eligible to return this week or if he's going to return. Yeah, so I know we'll they were see. hoping he was going to be eligible to return. We'll see where that goes. Yeah. Ed Oliver, according to Next Gen Stats, generated a season-high 10 pressures, the most pressures by a defensive tackle in a playoff game over the last Oof. six seasons. He kicked wow. some ass. I mean, he was, he was in Mason Rudolph's face a lot during the game. Having a great year at all. Ed That's going to be a fun game. It That's an be. understatement of the year. Yeah. Final one to talk about. This is the... Four seed in the Houston Texans, C.J. Stroud led, and the one seed in the Baltimore Ravens. The first game of the weekend, Saturday, 4.30 on ABC and ESPN. Uh, UT Madden, let's give him the first word on this one. He goes, Lamar has essentially had three weeks off, and the rest of the Ravens have had two since their last game. 2019 is giving me bad flashbacks as why not to rest your starters. What will make this year different for the Ravens? Love the pod. Congrats, Ahmed, on the Lions' success. Oh, look oh, at that. Thanks, UT Madden. Yep. I, it, was a, it was a huge, huge day. Well, huge we, we talked about this at UT Madden during the time, right? It, it, it bothered me. I am definitely of a... The, the old adage of what would the Patriots do? Mm. What would Belichick do? WWBD, right? <laughs> yeah. Remember that whole thing? Yeah. Uh, yeah. What would he do? And he would have played his starters for at least the half because of all the reasons you mentioned at UT Madden. That bothers me as well. I'm, it scares me. And that's where it's, it's going to be on Harbaugh and company to hopefully have the right formula. Hey, listen, they seem like they're a team on a mission. That's cert- for certain, right? You know, it's Super Bowl or bust for the Baltimore Ravens. I think the first time around in 2019, it was a little bit like, hey, cool, we're the one seed, and look, we're awesome, and all this. This feels like a little bit like, we don't give a fuck what seed we are. We want to win the Super Bowl. That's it. That's our only goal. That's all we're here for. I feel like there's a little different aura around this football team. The offense has more to offer, like we've talked about. But, yeah, I'd be interested today, maybe in the coach's press conference or whatever, to hear what Harbaugh did last week. If he tried to like go, you know, we're going to have a pretty tough week of practice. We're going to get in full pads. You know, we might even do some scrimmaging just to keep up with like we're on our P's and Q's football wise, right? Yeah. Uh, that, that's what you got to be, you know, to me, totally all about. It's that fine line of, yeah, we want to rest and be healthy and ready to go, but we don't want to take so much time off that we get off some of our details and techniques and lose that. Right. And uh, I would think John Harbaugh, because of 2019, is all over that. These two teams played way back in week number one. Baltimore won 25 to 9. You were like, what? I mean, like CJ Stroud. Game number one, you got to go against the Baltimore Ravens, who end up being the one seed. We didn't right. know that at the time. Yep. Uh, greatness Calls, at Greatness Calls, says, What did Mike McDonald do in week one to CJ Stroud, and what differences in his game plan do you expect to see? I mean, I mean is there anything we can take away? Well, I think from the, week one? the hardest thing is just that. The, the training wheels were still a little bit on in Houston. So I would say it wasn't a full attack from them. Yeah. Let alone, yeah, it's week one. and I, The Baltimore Ravens, uh, always complicated, but I don't think their full attack was quite there yet either. Let alone, the biggest difference to me is just that the offense of the Baltimore Ravens was still like, wait, we didn't do anything in training camp. We didn't play in the preseason. Yeah. Right? It's a new offense. So they were really finding their way. They're a different football team. I'm not going to put too much stock into what it was week one you know where we are right now is a Ravens defense a little bit like you've heard me say about others like they can do everything a little like the Chiefs now more want to play they want to play more zone than man-to-man but they can play man-to-man they're creative right and because they're so good up front and so big I don't think they're gonna have to overplay the run game play action pass stuff right 
they'll have calls this week where like Queen and Roquan will, hey, if it's a run fake, we, we're just going to take one step downhill and then we got to get back because we got to make sure they're killing everybody in the play action. They'll have little rules for that, and I would expect them to be you know, all over some of that stuff there uh, by the Houston Texans. Yeah, it's interesting how they're going to play this one, the Baltimore Ravens. We have the DraftKings Divisional Round Passing Props. This is this is interesting. My Jared Goff has the highest over-under for passing yards right now at 272.5. The lowest, Lamar Jackson, hmm. 227.5. Yeah, well, you know, Houston, uh, I think Baltimore can do both. They can run and throw the football. You know, total yards for Lamar Jackson's, what we've been saying all year is not necessarily how you gauge him. Right. You know, the thing to gauge with Lamar, he might throw for 227, but one of those is a 50-yard touchdown pass. Another one's an unbelievable 40-yard pass that got them to the one-yard line. And another one was a third and 17 that broke your back down the middle of the field. And we go, oh, well, he didn't throw for that many yards. And I go, yeah, but in every big moment, he made a big throw or a big scramble and screwed you guys over. Yeah. I would like the over for Lamar and that one there. I would. I mean, Houston's in a bind in this one a little bit. Houston, the defense, you know, good, fast, aggressive. We know that. Um, I think they're going to be very concerned with stopping the run. I think that's going to be a big issue for them. They're going to go, wait, we're definitely a smaller front seven than they are on offensive line. That's an issue for us. They can do some things there. I, I would like the Lamar over in that one. That, mm. that to me, is a little too low uh, for the total output. But, yeah, look, him and Josh Allen are the, the bottom. I think it's because schemes they're playing and the way they play football right now, it's just hard to gauge like what or how much they might throw or how aggressive the they might game throw. Game plan going right, to be. Right. Daniel Kunimoto says, as always, great pod. Who is the quarterback with the most pressure on them to succeed? And then he goes, go Ravens. Oh. So I think Daniel wants uh, Lamar to – Step up in this situation. Uh, I mean, it, it's on Lamar pretty, pretty high. I, I think Lamar is. I think I look at it, and you ask me in the in the we got there's three that match up. I mean, Lamar going to win his second MVP. Has not been to do a championship game yet as a player, right? So that's all there. He hasn't been to a Super Bowl, so that's very big. Got mm-hmm. paid all this money. The receivers are good, right? So that's the pressures there. Josh Allen at home finally in the playoffs versus Mahomes. Yeah. Right? Well, you got you finally got him at your place in a big game here. Right? I think there's tremendous pressure on him there. Right? And then I think the one after that, I'd go with probably Brock Purdy. I think so too. I think it's probably those three are, I think, under the most pressure. And I think it's legitimately probably between Lamar and Josh Allen, I think, that are under the most pressure there. Yeah. Then Mahomes, I think, would be the fourth, maybe. And then, you know, Goff, Love, Mayfield, and Stroud are happy to be there. Exactly. It kind of just feels like they're playing with house money. They're just, yeah, exactly right. Not that they don't have pressure. We right. know that. But, you know, I think they're guys that people look at and go, oh, they've exceeded expectations. And, yeah. you know, Josh Allen, he has to run for 800 yards to ever ex- <laughs> and throw for 800 in the same game to ever exceed expectations. Don't forget on DraftKings Sportsbook, this NFL playoffs, new customers can bet $5, pocket 200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get a no sweat same game parlay every day you can download the app use the promo code unbuttoned when you sign up DraftKings sportsbook the, the crown, crown is yours so i uh, don't have many more of those left the the season's winding down chris's yep. favorite weekend of the nfl season is here yep uh, we still do the big butt awards Good. and we still get the song for big a couple couple more weeks Woo! 
It is we that time. Like big butts and we cannot lie. The big butt of the week. Oh. Time to give some love to these Ooh, big guys. Some it, tushes. It's a couple sacks, forced <laughs> fumble. He's a butt-ting superstar. Woo. Give it to him, Ahmed. One butt cheat. And this is why you're the big butt expert of the world right now. Woo. Defensive tackle, big butt of Super Wild Card Weekend. Could have given it to Ed Oliver. We just talked about what he did Definitely. there. Uh, but I gave it to Kalaji Kansi for the Buccaneers going against that Eagles offensive line. That's a difficult task there. Had Definitely. three defensive stops, according to PFF, tied for the most. Six pressures with the second most. Did have a sack in there. He is now the fourth rookie to win the big butt this season. Jalen Carter, Kobe Turner, Will Anderson, wow. and now Kalaja Kansi. You like the young booties, huh? I guess, That's what right? you like. No, no, they're, <laughs> they're talented. They really are. Yeah. I mean, listen, Jalen Carter is already one of the best D tackles in football. Will Anderson is like certainly going in that direction, along with Kobe Turner. And Kalaja Kansi, like, watch out for him. To me, it's going to be next year. You're going to see Kalaja Kansi take off, right? Mm-hmm. This is like I got an undersized D tackle. Mm-hmm. It, it, it kind of takes them a year to get used to the NFL a little bit. And what do I got to be? What do I got to get a little better at, right? You know, because in college, it was like everybody was a mismatch. Yeah, I was a little undersized, but I'm so strong for my size. I could beat you with quicks, and I could overpower you. Yeah. The NFL, I remember Aaron Donald. It was really awesome the first year, but I remember year two, I was like, oh, my gosh. He's figured out a few techniques. He understands how to use his hands better, right? He understands offensive line and offensive play a little bit better. Watch out. I could see Kalisha Kansi taking the superstar te- step next year. Hurt in the beginning of the year, but yeah, then played a lot at right. the end of the year, though. Played the second most snaps of any rookie defense. Defensive tackle this season behind Kobe Turner of the L.A. Rams. Yeah. And speaking of the Rams, they went against my edge big butt of the week for the third straight week. I'm not. I'm, I swear Whatever. I'm not a homer. What a shocker! Aiden this is. Hutchinson gets his fourth of the season, third straight. He he had nine pressures, most of any edge. Yep. Two sacks, three tackles, four defensive stops, tied for the most. I mean, like he's a fucking amazing football he's, player, and he's playing like the last three weeks. I feel like. If we look at him and add them all up, Cowboys and Vikings, and he, he's, he's all over there. He's superstar. He's been a superstar. He's a superstar, right? Like Jacksonville's got to be looking at it going, we kind of messed mistake, up. Like yeah. this guy's a superstar. Our guy's good. Don't get me wrong, but this guy's like, you know, he takes over football games in moments. He's, he certainly does. And of course, got the big holding call and a big moment the other night uh, with uh, Havenstein wrapping his oh, arm around yeah. him and and getting him as he's going around the edge and going to get the sack. I mean, he's just he's awesome against the run. He's learned to become a better pass rusher. He has better bend around the corner than he did coming out. That's gotten better. I mean, I, you're not wrong here, Ahmed. He's he's one of the best edge defenders. He's going to be in the All Pro conversation next year. Yeah. That's how good he is, and he was everywhere. That's to me why I was speaking earlier about how awesome Stafford was. Because I mean, he had this fucking guy bearing down on him a lot, and a bunch of other guys too. Where oh, I got to step up and get out of the way. Of of uh, of uh, Hutchinson around the edge, yeah. and now walk myself into more trouble in front of me, and still made a lot of big throws, uh, even with that situation around him. Aiden now leads the NFL with 110 quarterback pressures this season. He passed Micah Parsons. He needed one week of the playoffs to do that, uh, and so congratulations, Aiden Hutchinson and Kalaji Kansi. Kalaji, not the biggest big butt, but yeah. No, they're productive. they're productive. Pound for pound, there's a lot of power in those tushes right there. A lot of power and in all yeah. four cheeks, definitely. Yeah, yeah. all right. So yeah. Congr- congratulations. Yeah. yeah, Pete is noting the very defined Hutchinson uh, right cheek. Yeah, he likes that. 
<laughs> a lot. He just, he's saying he's, he says he likes his right you, cheek a lot. Yeah, you could you could That's take easy, a whole Easy, Pete. Yeah, segment. we got it. We yeah. got it. He said he's seen worse. <laughs> All right, let's save ourselves here with the with the final um final bit of our pod here on Wednesday. A tradition. We we bury teams. We we put them in the ground. They're dead already, but now we need to respect. Except them. for the Eagles, they buried themselves. I thought That's we true. Got that was that. a long time ago. Right. That was the corpse uh, walking around the field in Tampa. So uh, it is time to do it. So Kristen, do we have the uh, requiem for a team music here? We do. Uh, let me get my poems here. That oh, and someone messaged me. They go, "Do you do these poems, or are these like artificial intelligence?" And uh, I will say that I, I do. You know, I'm a proponent of technology. I love all yeah, the AI you're stuff. Yeah, you're a message, but you're writing this, right? I'm writing these. I, I found it to be more work. I, trust me, I've tried. Right. And like you, the amount of information you have to pump in to like give it enough context. To right. Give you're you a like, poem. I could have already wrote the exactly. poem by now. Exactly. Right. So right. I'm not against it. it. And then but... it comes out, and you're like, well, that didn't really make sense. <laughs> AI. So <laughs> I got to redo it anyway. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not against it, but I have not done that right. yet. Uh, so we'll start with the Rams here. The Rams, uh, just 28 homies correctly predicted them to reach the playoffs. 28 out of over 1,000. Impressive. Congratulations there. Way to go, there. 28 homies. Don't know where you guys are from. L.A., St. Louis, wherever you're from. Congratulations there. Here you go. Here lie the Los Angeles Rams. From bad to good, this year had range. And now they have draft picks to exchange. Finally, they can shout and not miss out on guys like the legendary Cole Strange. You teach Chattanooga. <laughs> you only get that guy Cole now. Cole Strange, look at that. <laughs> uh, uh, they don't need Cole Strange anymore. They don't. They, don't. Uh, they got crazy a good old how, line. Yeah, they, they, they did, did it. Well, I mean, their ability to draft, again, is incredible. Steelers, 33% of you out there correctly predicted them to reach the playoffs. Of course. We, we, know, we know this. Why did we get this wrong? Uh, ten homies had them winning it all. We appreciate your dedication. Here lie the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's a team that will never give in, each season like an identical twin. Let me share with you, please, life's three guarantees, death, taxes, and Tom, Tom Lynn. Lynn. Pete gave us that one earlier in the year. Tom Lynn. <laughs> He gets in. Gets in. Right. Yeah. Right. He get always get he, he always, always gets, gets in. in. Yep. Cleveland Browns, they got in somehow. Five different quarterbacks. Eighteen Yikes. homies had them reaching the AFC championship game, which you know, if they had Deshaun Watson, he played okay. That and they didn't. It probably. And they were just this. such meatheads. They would be maybe a chance. You yeah. heard, you know what I want to say. Here lie the Cleveland Browns, a team with an elite defense. We agree. They ran around and played carefree. The only thing they lack was a backup quarterback who was born post nineteen forty. That's the one thing they. That's the one thing they lack. Uh, that's a good that one. Like forty two, I think, is when he was born. Is he born forty two? Yeah, forty two. Yeah, World War II veteran. Yeah, yeah, respect him. Uh, so that's the Browns. The Dolphins. Nine percent of you had them reaching the AFC Championship. Nineteen homies had them winning it all. You're wrong. I'm sorry. Here lie the Miami Dolphins. They had a few too many injured men, but soon they'll be playoff bound again. By this time next year, their fans will surely cheer, and Tyreek will have seven more children. It's possible that <laughs> You're that does funny. happen. Damn. It's, 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 it's possible. Damn. That that, I mean, it's, I, that's the first time I feel like I've heard you go into that category. <laughs> We're definitely going. I, I'm trying Artificial to find, intelligence certainly didn't write that <laughs> one. Didn't do that. It wouldn't. It yeah. would censor that. Right. Uh, we're trying to find the soft spots here yeah, of yeah, these you, teams. You, you and, found the soft spot there. All right. Two more, and we're going to the NFC East for these, the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, no. God, can you believe this? 25% of you had them reaching the NFC Championship game. 30 homies had them winning it all, including Oh, damn. So you're, you're burying right part here. of yourself here. <sighs> all right. Here we go. This holiday season, the Cowboys got coal. 
a disastrous end, shaking their soul. Jerry, not at the final dance, but next year he'll have his chance to finally get that glory hole. He can finally <laughs> maybe do it one of these days. His words, not mine. He uh, says it. Words. I don't say it. Well, we say glory hole on PFT all the time. Yeah. And people text Florio an email because yeah. he gives them all their stuff. Yeah. And he's like, do you realize you're saying glory hole? Yeah. And he has about once a week remind Explain. everybody, this is a joke of the show. Yes. Jerry Jones said he wanted more glory hole yes. in a press conference. Go look it up, It's a everybody. term in the oiling industry. <laughs> when you think about it. Yeah. it it's <laughs> That's an actual term. It's an Check actual it out. Term. It's actually it's hilarious. It's an actual video. term. It's an actual thing that happens. <laughs> Finally, the Eagles here. Finally, the Eagles. 75% of you had them making the NFC Championship game, including both you and Pete. 32% had them winning the Super Bowl uh, or making the Super Bowl and 16% winning it all. It's, it's crazy. They're done. They should have probably been done a week yeah, earlier. I had them losing to the 49ers in the NFC Championship game. Finally, here lie the Philadelphia Eagles. The success for the team was quite fleeting down the stretch, often taking a beating. This team is weird, you all fear. Confirmed in March when you hear that A.J. Brown called yet another team meeting. Like, <laughs> no one's even here right now. We don't have anyone here. Yeah, uh, that'll fix it, Pete yeah. says. Another awesome. one more. That's when you knew they were desperate. They were having like team meetings or whatever, <laughs> every like every week. week. You were like, oh, man, it's trouble. <laughs> this is, this is I'm disappointed. Like, I mean, I was expecting more in that last one. The Eagles won? Well, I mean, you got me all excited. You kind of went X and R rated on the Dolphins and the I Cowboys. Know, I, I mean, you're talking about kids at a wedlock and glory hole. I've never heard you go that way. <laughs> I know. I should have ended with one of those two. But we got we got more. We got more. We got Trust more. me, I've got we ideas do. for the next one. There's more teams to die. And by the way, uh, 12 homies yeah. in our playoff prediction still have a potential of getting all final four teams God, right. I can't even remember. I know I had Niners beating the Eagles, and I had the Chiefs beating um, the Ravens. All right, mm. so I have three out of the four left. Yeah. And I had Chiefs 49ers and 49ers beating the Chiefs. So that'll be interesting. Uh, but mm. I certainly right now would still go 49ers-Ravens if I could do a do-over right now. And I have the Lions in the NFC Championship that oh, I put them in there last week. You so. got a good chance. <laughs> oh, so you didn't really have them in the I, I, I did. Did I do that? So you had Cowboys-Lions. Wow, that would have been a oh, that's right. I did yeah, do that, right? Because I was gonna, I was like, I got to pick the Lions to go, but I don't want to jinx anything, right? I don't want to pick them to get to the Super Bowl, right. but I really feel like Man. if they get to San Francisco, what a big ego you have! You think that you can affect <laughs> the whole world's outcome? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Isn't uh, it amazing how we think that though? It, I know. Yeah, I don't Let know. Let me what move to do. in this seat because they'll play better if I sit over here. Right, right. I Let me sit I down or stand up. Yeah, I used to do all well, that I stuff. I picked the Lions to win 56-10 on Football Night in America, so <laughs> yeah. that didn't jinx them. They <laughs> no, almost no, did. But. No, that was awesome. That was great that you did that. It <laughs> added to the fun of the moment. Yeah. All right, everybody, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today, a little bit of what the fuck will happen, what the fuck did happen, little combination. You know we'll be back at it. We're going to kind of try to figure out here what we're going to game plan. I'm not sure what our Sunday pod situation will yeah, be. I don't know either. We're going to be, of course, on the field in Detroit. Uh, rooting on Ahmed's Lions there. Oh, he will be at least. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, You'll be rooting on your Bucks. I am, I'm going to be. Def- I'm very happy that I'm going to see a lot of old, familiar faces That's of the cool. Bucks on the field. I mean, I'm excited about that, right? And know a lot of people in the Lions organization too that are really cool, good people. So that that'll be good. Um, but yeah, we'll figure that out. We'll get back that get back at you tomorrow. PFT Chris Sims on button the collaboration the Picks Pod. We'll be at it again. Ahmed, thanks as always for driving the ship. Of course. 
keep sending all the questions. It was great interaction today. A lot of great thoughts, a lot of great questions. I really always love that. Makes me think. Gives me a few more ways to break things down, too. Thanks to the homies. All right, everybody, be good. Enjoy the great divisional weekend. Should be awesome. Have a good one. Be safe. Clap it up. Clap it up. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because I got the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? Hello. Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. (laughs) No, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. (laughs) Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.